this evening, what I'd like to share with you, um, and I was just really praying about this, and um, and so let me let me set this up in that the the scripture that we're going to really kind of camp out at. Um, many times you hear this word uh, of how Jesus was tempted, how Jesus was tempted, but I, I really believe I want to look at it from the angle and that. Um, and first of all, but let me give you the title, okay? Um, I want to talk about adversity tonight. Adversity. And that one thing is that we all have in common is that we have faced some form of adversity. Okay? When you hear the word, a definition for adversity is it's an event or a series of events which oppose success or desire for it. God has a beautiful plan for our lives. And the enemy knows this. And so the enemy being Satan. So he's going to do whatever he can to bring opposition to that success. What do you mean success? God's will being done in our life. The kingdom of God, us experiencing the kingdom of God here on earth as in heaven. What do you mean the kingdom of God? His peace, his purpose, his plans, his joy, his promises, his provisions. And so, some words that are associated with adversity are suffering, sorrow, heartbreak, pain, a trial, hard times, and stress. And when I was looking this up, I'm not kidding, this is what it said, the cross. Even Jesus, he faced adversity. And so in the scripture that we're going to camp out at, I want us to look at it not through the eyes of how Jesus was tempted, but look at how Jesus is our model how to overcome adversity. It's going to come. It's going to come just because we live in a fallen world because of sin. It's going to become because the moment that you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the very purpose, the very heart, the very vision of God inside of your spirit. So therefore, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So instead of hiding behind adversity, you bring it on. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't necessarily say it like that, but we should walk in the confidence. Let me tell you something. Because I've given my life to God. And because I declare him as my Lord. He is watching over his word to be performed in my life. And that is the the hope, the peace that we have in that. That no, as a Christian, everything is not going to smell like roses. You know, but yet we don't have to live in this doom and gloom. I'm a Christian now. No. God wants us to have joy, yes. He wants us to have peace, yes? Because how are people who do not know of the message of Jesus Christ going to look at the light inside of us and say, whatever they have going on in there, I want it for me. I'm desperate for that. And that's what we have in Jesus, is that he is our hope in adversity. He is the model in which we can, you know, because sometimes, you know, when someone asks you a question, okay, how do I do that? Yes? How do I live for Jesus? How do I know his will? Well, this is a great picture of the adversity that he faced and that Jesus is our model. Jesus is our leader. And Jesus is our strength. And we're going to look at that through the scripture. So turn your Bibles to Luke 4, 1 through 13. And as you turn, I want to read a couple of scriptures just so that it can stir us up in that... um, 
in Psalm 18, 28 through 30, it says, Lord, you have brought light to my life. My God, you light up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. Now, when you hear that, it, it, it's like that is somebody that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is somebody that is saying, Lord, when I'm walking through the valley or whenever I'm high on the mountain. In other words, when I have uh, lows in life, when I have highs in life, Lord God, I know because my life is in you. That Lord God, not only will I have strength, but that I can crush an army. There's confidence. Their perspective in knowing is that, yeah, I know it's coming. But I serve the God who defeated darkness. I serve a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. And even though I might not see him moving, even though I'm walking through an adversity, I know he cannot fail me. And then it says, with my God. Sometimes we need to wake up in the morning and say, with my God. Yes? We need to look in the mirror before we go to work. With my God, I'm highly favored. With my God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With my God, I can scale any wall. Now, I know in our society, in our world here, you don't necessarily got a lot of walls unless it's a fence, you know? But in those days, a wall represented a lot of things. It represented uh, security of, of uh, one region or one people group. And their walls were not like a fence. They were massive fortresses. And it was like, no matter what the enemy throws my way, no matter how big that adversity is, oh, I'm going over that thing because of my God. You understand, this? You understand the context of the scripture? And then it says this, and as for God, his way is perfect. And all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for my protection. See, when we give our lives to Jesus, and we choose our lives to follow under the authority of his word and what he's doing in our lives. We can trust that whatever he's doing on our behalf, it's the best plan. And it's perfect. He said, but Dixie, I'm going through a lot of adversity. I understand. But God's an eternal God. And whenever we give our lives to him, we are not bound by things on this earth. But if, if you say, well, I'm not seeing a peace here. But you will see a peace someday. It's like the, the enemy does not have the authority to, to come against his own children. Okay? And then so Psalm 34, 17 through 19, it says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Well, let's look at this. The righteous. It's you and I. It's believers. Not by our own actions, but by what has been extended to us through Jesus Christ. The righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and every one of them. So my friends, I'm not sure what you're walking through tonight. What adversity you have walked through. You feel like you're about to walk through. Or you're still walking it. You're still in the midst of it. I want to encourage us tonight. 
and how we can look at how Jesus faced adversity and yet he was able to draw strength and hope and how it affected our lives. Okay? So in uh, Luke 4, 1 through 13, I intentionally am reading the, um, the account of Luke instead of reading the account of Matthew 4, 1 through 11, because there's some things that uh, the scripture addresses that I thought were more uh, uh, applicable for this teaching. So here it goes. Um, uh, at the end of uh, the verses prior in, in Matthew, uh, Jesus had been water baptized okay, in the Jordan River. And uh, scripture says that the Holy Spirit came upon him in that moment. And Jesus was 30 at this time. And so thinking about that, the cross was very near. It wasn't that far away. And that was his whole assignment. Yes, he's the son of God. But his whole assignment was to come and be the savior of the world. And so um, whenever he receives the Holy Spirit... He is, he's directed to go and spend time with the, uh, uh, he is directed to go and just be with the Lord. And so here where it picks off. And then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, look to somebody next to you, say full, left the Jordan River and was led, look to somebody next to you, say led. Now I'm going to continue. By the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness where the devil tempted him for 40 days. He ate nothing all the, he ate nothing all the time and was very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, change the stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil told him, I, and the devil told him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine and they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he orders his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you with their hands and keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, don't test the Lord your God. Now again, I added my own little attitude. I don't know if that's the attitude that Jesus had. But then it said, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Now let's look at an account of two things. Matthew 4 verses 1 says when Jesus was led out of the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. I just like the, the change of words. One was full when he was led. But then in Matthew uh, 4.10, it says, uh, Jesus responded, do not test the, the Lord your God. But he said, he said, he said, get out of here, Satan. I like, I like both of those. Get out of here, Satan. And remember the scripture. Uh, and he left him until the next opportunity time, until the next opportunity. That tells me you would think that Satan, knowing who he's having a conversation with and knowing his assignment, you'd think he'd give up. Yeah? No. 
John 14, 16 said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, Jesus said. I am the truth. I am the life. This is not debatable. The word of God is not just my truth. The word of God is the one and only truth. And there is a lie. There is a deception. There is a phrase that you hear in the world. And it's generated directly from the father of lies. That's Satan. And says, well, this is my truth. Not if it doesn't line up with the word of God. Because if you and I, when we are walking through adversity, and we will, if we do not hold the truth and claim the truth, then we will not come out of that adversity standing. And that is why as Jesus was faced, and if you read the story, it is so fascinating to me because they're, Jesus and Satan are having dialogue. And Satan has the audacity to tell the living word of God that he's going to give him something. That he's going to give him power. Or that he has something good for him. The audacity. My friends, if he did that to, to Jesus, the living word of God, then he's surely going to come after you and me with that kind of trash talk. But the thing is, is Jesus, the living word of God, he was not rattled when Satan was bringing shade to his very destiny. He said, well, what do you mean, Dixie? I'm so glad you asked. How to stand in times of adversity. One is we have to recognize who the real adversary is. Jesus did not engage in trying to defend himself. Jesus did not say, well, you know, give me a three-part plan. No. When the scripture says in verse 3, then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. He didn't say the son of man. He said the son of God. Now we can look at that and say, well, yeah, Dixie, he was the son of God. He sure is. He sure is. But his very purpose in this earth for you and I to be forgiven of our sins, he had to be the son of man. See, Satan is going to try to attack your very destiny and purpose for you and your family's life. And see, he even twisted and, and manipulated. He's so canine. That's not in, in, in the biblical, but all of you here know what canine means. By him saying, hey, change these, change this stone into a loaf of bread. He was wanting him, hey, you're the son of God. You know, jump off of this, you know, cliff and you'll land on your feet. Change this loaf of bread. You know, but here's the deal. Jesus was fully God and fully human. And Jesus knew his assignment. But so did Satan. And he wanted, I believe that the whole dialogue of this scripture, even though Jesus was fully man, he was going to be unwavering in his standard of holiness. He was going to be unwavering in him standing for the truth because he was the living truth. So this, my friends, is a model for you and I. 
When the enemy comes knocking at your door, it's the mind of your door, your mind, because he just can't jump into your spirit and start having a party. He has to start bringing lies and shade to your very mind. And he's even going to use scripture to try to twist. So you say, well, how do you know if it's God speaking or if it's the devil speaking? You got to know the character of the adversary. Because when the adversary speaks, it is never with truth. You even need to know the character of the adversary because the adversary is manipulative and controlling and he brings chaos in his atmosphere. The very, the very thought of the dialogue that he was telling Jesus, hey, just jump down, you know, off of this massive cliff and you'll land on your feet. And Jesus, with the truth of the word of God, brought order right there in that moment. He says, do not test the Lord your God. When, when Satan was wanting to bring confusion of where your provision is going to come from. Hey, the scriptures say. Uh, the word of God is not only there for us to identify the adversary, but also for us to declare the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Back off, Jack. Not Jack, but you know, back off in the name of Jesus. Because he wants to bring confusion. He wants to shade the line of promises. There is no gray area in the promises and the provisions of God. In Philippians 2, 7 through 8, it says, But God made himself, or God but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashion as a man, and he humbled himself. And became obedient unto the death, even the death on the cross. Satan was speaking, the Son of God, identifying Jesus' deity and Jesus' power, but not saying the Son of Man. Because that was Jesus' assignment. His purpose to destroy sin and its effects and to destroy all the powers of darkness. We see in Luke 5, 18-25, and I love this story, of how uh, some men brought uh, a lame man on a mat, but the house was too full, so then they went on, on top of the roof and removed the shingles and lowered the guy down. That is the coolest story in the world, you know? But the Pharisees, uh, with the dialogue of Jesus healing the man, the Pharisees were thinking, I thought, who is this guy that he can say that he can forgive the sins of the world, you know? And so... um then Jesus responds, basically says, look, I'll prove it. I, the son of man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. He was speaking and declaring the very purpose and plans that God has for his life. But that is not the dialogue that Satan was speaking over Jesus. Whatever distraction of adversity with his connive ways that he could get to try to remove him away from his assignment, that's what he was doing. And guys, the enemy does the same thing with you and me. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, and it plans not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. The adversity that was trying to bring confusion and chaos to Jesus' assignment will do the same in your life as well. I love in the scripture where it says in 1 John 4, 4, you are God, little children, and have overcome him because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You say, Dixie, I'm not really jiving with all this adversity or there's, there's you know, somebody, you know, trying to come after me. 
Well, let's see what the Word of God says in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant. And be sober, spirit, be aware, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. When God shakes the physical realm, I heard this in a message recently and, and it's so applied to what I want to, what I wanted to convey today. When God shakes the physical realm, He wants to reveal something new about His kingdom. How does He do that? He does it by revealing it to His Spirit and the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It was not by accident that when Matthew uh, 3, 16 through 17, and after his baptism and Jesus came up out of the water and the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settled on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son and I am fully pleased with him. It was not by accident at that very moment of what God, what Jesus was going to face and how Satan was going to try to distract him, to detour him in the adversity of lies, in the adversity of the, that's a chaotic conversation if you, if you go and you, uh, read it. God will show us he is still in charge when situations look like they are out of control and confusing. We have to recognize where the chaos is coming from. We have to recognize the adversary. And we need to stand firm like Jesus did in the Word of God, the living Word, and say no. I know things are tight in relationships. I know that I'm going through a health crisis. I know that I'm having some some situations in work. I'm feeling adversities right now. But I know God cannot fail me. God has something in store for my future. My friends, In order for us to have the heated of an adversity, Satan would not come at us if we did not have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. The adversities that we face as believers, it's because there's life and death. These adversities are, how is, how is, if Satan can begin to get me to doubt my assignment. Begin to get me to doubt who God wants to be in me and through my family and me give up. That affects eternity. That's why when we face adversity, we have hope in Jesus. Jesus had to go to the cross. And he knew that. And scripture even says that whenever uh, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Peter went sword happy and cut off the, the ear uh, of the soldier. It was either the soldier or, or, or the, the assistant of the priest. I don't remember. But um, what did he say? He said, put that away. This is my purpose. What did he say? If I wanted to, I could call down angels from heaven and wipe all of them out. But in the midst of that adversity, whether it's, whether it was in the wilderness, whether it was in the garden of Gethsemane, what took place? What was the byproduct of him getting out of that adversity? God's will being done. It was God's will. In order for you and I to receive the promises of forgiveness, in order for you and I to receive the promises that God will never leave me or forsake me, how do we experience that? By his spirit. His spirit is not just mystical thing. 
It's, it's his spirit, it's Jesus on the inside of us that we are able to commune, that we are able to hear his voice, that we are able to be strengthened. God was not going to allow the adversity of the enemy to stop him from doing his assignment because he had you and me on his mind. And he knew that the only way that you and I would be able to stand when adversity would come to us, when adversity would hit our family, is if Jesus had only gone to the cross and given us his spirit. Number two is how do we stand in adversity? Is we have to receive the word of God for your life. They will Dixie, yeah. Hmm. You have to receive the living word of God for your life. Jesus is not an option. The word of God says, as, as we had read earlier in John 14, 16, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But then what's the other part of that scripture? No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can have forgiveness of sin except through Jesus. No one can be made right except through Jesus. No one can go to heaven except through Jesus. No one will have victory over oppression and bondages in our life that all generated through the adversary, except through Jesus. See, when the devil, uh, verses 5, when the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, the devil told him, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are all mine to give to anyone I please. Really? You're going to give Jesus all authority and power. And he can't, mm -mm, I don't think so. See, isn't that like Satan? He's going to come at your mind. And it's going to be the exact opposite of the Word of God. And he's going to come at your mind. What I have is good. But that is why whenever we receive the living word, we need to be yielded to what the living word wants to do in our lives. Does that make any sense? See, I can have this great book and it can sit on my nightstand or it can sit on my coffee table and I can quote some good scriptures that I learned in children's church. But is there a difference when the choices that I make in my life, I recognize because they're under the authority of the word of God. My, not only do I give God my life, but I allow Him to be Lord of my life. Completely different component. And see, Jesus is our hope. And we were on His mind and in His heart. And He saw the adversary, adversity, before we did. See, lots of times when somebody goes through adversity, they ask themselves natural questions. Why? Where? How, how could this happen? Yes? And I don't have the answer to those difficult questions. But what I can share with you is that Jesus is our hope. And that no matter what heartbreaking situation we go through, no matter 
what we face. Jesus knew that we were going to face them because of this world is no longer perfect. And he said, because they're going to face such things in their life, because of sin and the effects of sin, I'm going to send my son so that they can experience a hope, a freedom, a peace, a hope that Satan, our adversary, even though he is a liar and he is a thief and his objective is to destroy us, Through Jesus Christ, our God-given assignment, the purpose for our lives, for our family, our church, our community, and our nation, we can succeed. We can have a life that has meaning and value and a purpose behind it. We've read this scripture many times, but sometimes you, you read a scripture and it can just be like so fast because it's so familiar. But how many of you know this one, John 3, 16 through 17? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Save it from what? Save it from the adversity, from the adversary, the effects of sin. I love in Hebrews 12, 28-29, It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. This is when we receive Jesus into, when we receive the living word, when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. His kingdom cannot be destroyed. In other words, Satan does not have the authority to attack God. It was done. It was finished on the cross. And that is why when Satan, with you you and I, you can still anticipate, even though the work that was done on the cross, that doesn't mean that whenever you wake up in the morning, there's going to be a thought that's going to come to your mind. Well, let me just leave my family. They're not going to miss me anyway. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Let me just end my life because there's nothing worth living for. Nobody's going to miss me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And when we have the living word of God, Jesus Christ on the inside of us, when that lie from the enemy comes and that adversity, it will. That truth, the living word of God will rise up and you will have the boldness like Jesus did, like he modeled in the wilderness. Get out of here. No, this is what scripture says. See, whenever we have the living God on the inside of us, it gives us the confidence. It gives us the clarity to see what's really going on in our world. Does this make any sense to you? You have the living word and then you have the spoken word. Again, receiving the word of God for your life, the spoken word. If I was to share with you this, don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life and your family. Don't do it. Sometimes you got to fight for it. And I'm not talking about like a physical fight here. But I refuse to give up on my marriage. I refuse to be a griping and complaining and a whining person. I refuse to allow the enemy to rob me of my health and, and the purpose and the plans of my children. Don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life. 
I encourage you to take scripture, pray it over yourself, pray it over your family, pray it over your future. Ephesians 1, 18 through 23, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. Verse 21, now he is far above any ruler, authority, a power, or leader, or anything else in the world or in the world to come. See, when Satan was saying, I have all of it. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. God is saying, I am what God has for the people. I am the Son of Man. I am the Savior of the world. And I'm not going to settle because I love them too much too. You say, well, yeah, Dixie, I understand this. But my friends, what is God wanting to do in your life? that could affect somebody else's eternity. The same tactics that he goes after Jesus, Satan will do the same tactics to come after you in your future. I mean, he did this to Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man. In Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is not dead. It is alive. It is real, as I shared a couple of weeks ago. It is relevant. It is relational. It is a must. In order for us to see who the adversary is and to stand firm when adversity comes. Amen. So how to stand in times of adversity? Recognize who the real adversary is. And what does he want? He wants your assignment. He wants your purpose. Don't give it to him. How do you not do that, Dixie? Hold on to the word of God. Stand firm in the word of God. Speak the word of God. And number three, rejoice in the good life that God has for us. In verses 13 of Luke, it says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. I don't think Jesus was stressing over that because he knew his assignment. And it was not by accident that God, and again, this is one of the great mysteries of God because God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. There's three in one, okay? But that Jesus the Holy Spirit came upon him because in order for him to finish out his assignment, he had the human part of him had to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, had to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. You and I, God desires for us to rejoice in the good life that God has for us. Because there's a powerful component when we begin to declare with our mouth the truth of God's word upon our future. God, I don't see you moving now, but I know that you cannot fail me. God, I know that my health is going through a battle now, but I know that by your stripes I am healed. Whether on this earth or whether in eternity. God's promises can never fail us. Okay? God has my back in every situation. God has my best interest in mind. 
and I am close to his heart and I can trust God with my future. And because I can trust God with my future, that's good news and I can rejoice. And sometimes when we're going through adversity, we do not have the physical strength, the emotional strength, quite honestly, the mental strength. Only what we have is simply a whisper. But in, if you'll notice, and I'll encourage you to read all of Ephesians 1, 18 through 23, it says, and God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. See, when you and I are connected to the church in those moments of adversity, when it's hard for us to even breathe, when it's hard for us to even whisper the name of Jesus, we will have people that come around us that either have already walked through that adversity, have gained a revelation, a fresh song to sing that God is for us and who can never be against us. And the church will come around us and will help us to stand. Amen. That is the power that we have through Jesus Christ and being in relationship with Him and, and connected to the body of Christ. Because Hebrews 12, 28-29, it says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. Another version says, That cannot be shaken. The Word of God that is on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you as a believer, it's not going to cause you to break down and fall apart. But what it's going to do is that when you are faced with adversity, you can stand. And the church around you will come and help you to stand. Because it says, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with a holy fear and all. For God is the consuming fire. So Lord, help me to rejoice in the good life. That God has for it. Lord, help me. Even though I see my heart is breaking, I don't see the promises, I don't see the prayers being answered right now. But Lord, I know you cannot fail me. I encourage you that if you are in such an adversity right now, that it's just hard for you to breathe. It's literally hard for you to say, Lord, I need you. My friends, you need to get connected to the church. Because there are people that have already walked through and come out of what you're walking through right now. And they will be able to speak life to you. They will be able to encourage you. Because this is what happens. If you don't rejoice in the good that God has for your future, the enemy is going to want to isolate you in a wilderness that will bring you to a dark place. Jesus was able by the truth of the living word of God, which he was, by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk out and not fall in adversity. He is our model. And in Philippians 1, verses 6, and it says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work. Until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes back. How do we fall in line with that? You got to recognize the, the adversary. You got to receive the living word for your life. Surrender your life to it. And then you have to speak the truth of the word of God. Over your life and over your family. And God promises guys. That he will never leave us or forsake us.
Amen. I'm going to close in this in this experience that I had uh, last week. And I was like, well, let me tell you where I'm going with it. I had an opportunity to go to uh, um, last week's uh, LSU and um, Auburn's football game. And it was sweet. It was nice. I was like right between the 45 and the 40-yard line. You know, it was really close. I loved it. It was great. It was really nice because the team that I was going for won. Isn't that a great, it's like whenever your team wins. They didn't win by a little. They won by a lot. And I noticed that my responses and my behavior was not something that I would do if I wasn't at a football game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I found my composure, you know, when the team that I was going for, LSU, you know, when they were running a yard, you know, when they were, I mean, I was like, go! Get up, get up, tackle, tackle! I mean, and I, and I recognized, Dixie, you are acting crazy. There was so much energy, though. My team, let's go! And let's not win by a little, let's win by a lot! You know? And, I don't want no harm to come to the any team, but there was such a passion. There was such an energy surging through me. When you and I go into the presence of the Lord through worship, He is going to refresh you that you're on the winning side. And He is going to refresh you that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're positioned, He's with you. And he will strengthen you. And he will encourage you. I'm going to tell you what else is going to happen. You're going to have a greater confidence and a greater shout than you ever did before. Because there's something that happens on the inside of you when your team is winning by a lot. And you're on the winning team. You want everybody around you to know it. Well, how do you know that? You're high-fiving people that you have no idea who they are. You're elbowing, you're just like, did you see that? And you're not talking with a normal voice. Everything is heightened. Everything is like louder. It is the excitement and the joy of the game. When you and I worship, our spirit experiences the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And there will be a joy. There will be a strength, a renewed strength on the inside of you that when the adversary comes at you and has the audacity to try to tell you what your future is going to look like, or try to tell you your worth and your value, your volume of confidence can rise up. And you can say, "Uh uh-uh, this is what my God has done for me. This is who he is. I'm on the winning team. Get behind me, Satan, because you will not control my destiny. Amen? God desires for all of us to have that strength, that victory in our lives. And my friend, the battle, hear me carefully. Satan has already been defeated on the cross. He has. So way past 48 to 18, eternity 
has already been won for you and I and our family by the work that Jesus did on the cross. And it's just not one moment that we get to celebrate what game. Yay! Every single day, He will give you a new song to sing. Every single day, He will renew your strength. And as you discover more and more of His goodness and His faithfulness, you're going to step out of that box. Because there might be something that He has wrapped around your destiny that He's going to need you to trust Him with. That He's going to want to do a new thing on the inside of you. Just as that new thing was imparted by the power of the Holy Spirit to do to bring a new thing of salvation for all of kind, what is He wanting to do that's new on the inside of you to help your family, to help your spouse, to help your community, to help your church, to help your world? But we cannot let adversity keep us silent or keep us bound. But stand on the truth, speak the truth, and worship God, no matter the cost. Amen. Come on, would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord God. That your word is not just this poetic song. But Lord God, you are a relational God. And you care about each one of us. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that if there's anybody here that they have not received the living word, Jesus. Lord, that's where we got to begin. Because we're not going to walk out of adversity if we're still being gripped by the adversary, Satan. So Lord, I ask right now, if there's someone to the sound of my voice, say, Dixie, I need Jesus. I need him to be my Lord. I need him in my life. I haven't given my heart to him. I've been doing my own thing and it's not working. But I recognize my need for Jesus. If that's you, with with your faith, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not the words, but it's the, it's the faith that you have in Jesus. I want you to say, Jesus, I recognize my need for you. God, I cannot do life without you. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. That you are the one and only true God. And I receive you into my heart right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Guys, those prayers of faith, they mean something. They're important. You say, Dixie, I know God. I love God. I've served Him a lot. But I am walking. I am facing adversity in greater measures than I could have ever imagined. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Now, church, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to find somebody that has their hand raised that is walking through an adversity. I want you to go around them right now and I want you to begin to speak with them the truth and the promises of God. 
that He loves you, that He values you, that He is for you, that you are not alone in this. You are not forgotten. Now I want us to come together right now. Lord, you have given, you are the authority of the church, Lord. And Lord God, we believe in your word and we stand on your word. Lord God, as the church, we are the hearts and the hands of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for this person right now in the name of Jesus, that Lord God, the adversity that they are going through, Lord God. Lord God, that you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them. Lord God, that you would remind them, Lord God, that you love them, that you value them, that you have never forgotten about them. And Lord, I ask that you give them a renewed strength. Lord, give them a song to sing. Lord, may hope be infused into their mind and into their soul of your goodness and your love. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, everybody, I want you to look around. Those of you that are walking through an adversity, I want you to look around this room. Look around this room good. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. Those of you that are watching online, you are not alone. You are not by yourself. You come to the church. You call us. We're here for you. We love you. Do not do life alone. Do not do life isolated. That's why we have the church. To love you. To encourage you in the truth and the purpose of God for your life. Amen. Guys, we love you. We're here for you. If you need anything, God bless. You're dismissed.